Father, we come before you today thankful that you have blessed us with another day to gather as a church body, as a church family, so that we can worship together, encourage one another, exhort one another according to scripture. And Father, we pray that you would stir in us a thirst for you and the things of you that as a deer pants for water, that our souls would pant for you and that we would seek you uh, not only today, uh, but every day and throughout this week. Father, we thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit and the gift that he is to us and to the church. We recognize that he is the giver of all spiritual gifts and that through him, the church was built, it is sustained. Father, I pray that we would learn what our gifts are so that we can use them for the betterment of your kingdom, uh, not only here in Willow Street, but throughout the world. But Father, as, as we consider our church family here in Willow Street, I want to commend and give the Griffith family to you this morning. We don't understand your plan in this. We know that you are a God of peace and comfort. So we give them to you. But as we give them to you this morning, I pray that we would not neglect the role that you would have us play for them. And I pray that as we go throughout this week that we would seek ways that we can comfort this family and serve this family well. Whether it's helping move, provide a meal, or just providing prayer for them, Father. Would you show us how we can serve them better this week? And as we turn our attention to the world, Father, we think of the continuing war in Israel. And Father, above all, we pray for peace. We pray that you would be found in the midst of darkness. We know that you are a God of light, and we pray that that would be shown forth in Israel. But not just Israel, Father. We recognize that there are wars and conflicts and riots in Ukraine, Haiti, Sudan, Northeast India. Father, again, we don't understand what your plan is for these areas and what is going to come from these wars and conflicts. But we trust that you have a plan. And Father, I specifically pray for the Christians in these regions who are trying to put forth the gospel in these darkened and chaotic situations. Father, would you give them endurance? Would you give them courage? Father, we pray all these things in the precious name and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 11. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, 
But the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of that same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. He gives them to each one just as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Josh. With your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, or your devices open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that's where we're going to be today, and that's where we're going to dig into another work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want to begin by telling you something about myself that's probably true of you too. I love to give gifts. I absolutely love to give gifts, and, and I'm sure that that's true of you as well, because there's just something very special about blessing others by the giving of gifts, and since I became a papa to four grandchildren, that has just taken on all new meaning. I love to give gifts to my grandchildren. Now, I'm not talking about spending a lot of money necessarily on gifts. My grandsons love the same gum that I chew, Orbit gum, Winter Mint, so I can stop by there and they'll run to the car, hey, do you have gum? Absolutely. This is a very inexpensive gift, but I love to make sure that I'm giving it to them and, and uh, all the more sugar for them as long as they're at the house. And so I just love to bless them that way. Sometimes before the bus comes, Papa shows up in the driveway with the distinctive white and red bag, and it's filled with boxes of hash browns from Chick-fil-A. And they love to get those, and it gives me a reason to go there too. So that's another way that I gift them. Recently, when we were on vacation, we were in Vermont. We went to the Vermont Country Store, and I spent about 45 minutes in the vintage toy section of the Vermont Country Store, finding just the right gift for each of the four grandchildren, and I brought home to Cam pickup sticks. Anybody ever remember playing pickup sticks? You know what I'm talking about? Seven rounds of pickup sticks, he became the master at pickup sticks. I could not beat him, and I am so excited because there's something about giving gifts and watching the satisfaction of the one who receives those gifts. Last week when I was driving around making some calls, I was thinking about gift giving. I was thinking about how much I enjoy it, and I realized that that is yet another way that we reflect the image of God in our lives. You ever think about that? The very image of God, because you know what? He is a gift giver. And the greatest gift that he has given us, you, you have to know this, is the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul speaks about this when he writes, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And that is indeed this gift that God gives us when he forgives our sin and gives us a new and eternal life in Jesus Christ. But here's the good news. His gift giving doesn't stop there. Oh my goodness, no. In fact, when he changes you from the inside out, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in your life. Once you are saved, the Spirit lives in you. And God continues to give you gifts, gifts that we don't deserve, gifts that he desires for us to have. And these gifts are what we call spiritual gifts. 
They are given by the Holy Spirit to us. This weekend, as we study spiritual gifts, I want you to have this as a working definition of spiritual gift. A spiritual gift is an ability given by the Holy Spirit to express our faith in word or deed. Can you read that with me? A spiritual gift is an ability given by the Holy Spirit to express our faith in word or deed. It is called a spiritual gift because it is given by the Holy Spirit of God. And these gifts, the fact that he gives us gifts, is another work of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are three major passages in the New Testament that teach us about spiritual gifts. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14, and 1 Peter chapter 4. There are a couple other verses in the New Testament that also reference spiritual gifts, but these are the major places where if you want to learn about spiritual gifts, go dive into these places and you're going to learn about spiritual gifts. But there's a little background I want you to have about 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14. And the background is simply this. When you study the church at Corinth, you have to understand something about the city of Corinth and the influences upon Corinthian Christians. Bottom line is, there was this intense interest in the supernatural in Corinth. And what that did was it bled over into the church. And so you had Corinthians who were absolutely enamored with mystery religions, spiritual utterances, uh, trances, signs, and wonders, and ecstasies, and, and they were into this kind of thing because they wanted more than what God's word gave them. They wanted more than their relationship with Jesus Christ, and so they got caught up in the supernatural. And the result of that was that when it came to spiritual gifts, they kind of bypassed a lot of gifts to go to the ones that they considered the most supernatural of all the gifts. And so what you have here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, 14 is a very wise, measured, corrective, and encouraging corrective from the Apostle Paul. Basically saying, let me tell you what you should know. Let me teach you what God wants you to know about spiritual gifts. And Paul obliges by sharing the truth and helping to, to combat the confusion and the misunderstanding. And so the way he does that is he begins in verses two through three with a very basic message for the Corinthians and for us. And it's simply this, spiritual gifts are for spiritual people. Spiritual gifts are for spiritual people. What is a spiritual person? A spiritual person is a person in whom the Holy Spirit resides. And in whom does the Holy Spirit reside? The Holy Spirit resides in men and women who declare that Jesus is Lord of their lives. Now that's an important truth because we live in a culture today where the word spiritual has been co-opted and is used for all kinds of things that are not truly spiritual. So, you know, Jenny and I will once in a while go to a town where there's like a, a, a significant influence of, quote, the spiritual. And so there's a tarot card reader here, and there are, there's someone dealing in, in crystals over here, and there are all kinds of new agey kind of things in this store, and all of that masquerades as spiritual, but it is not truly spiritual. What is truly spiritual is the Holy Spirit of God inhabiting, residing in us, 
in the person who declares Jesus Christ is Lord. I love how the Amplified Bible translates 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. This is the translation. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the power and influence of the Spirit of God can say, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is my Lord, except by the power and influence of the Holy Spirit. Who is a spiritual person? It is the person who has accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord. Let me ask you a question today. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Have you declared that truth? Do you know him as Savior and Lord? Are your sins forgiven? And do you have a new and living faith in Jesus? If so, then the Holy Spirit resides in you. And the Holy Spirit has given you gifts. Gifts to use to express your faith in word and deed in this world. Hear me when I say this. Not one Christian is excluded from the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not one. Every one of us are gifted and we have all received spiritual gifts. Now, about those spiritual gifts, the Apostle Paul has some very important teaching. What's interesting is we sometimes rush through these first 11 verses, but these are foundational verses to understand spiritual gifts. And the very first truth he teaches is simply this. There are different kinds of gifts. Look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. The Apostle Paul writes, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. The gifts spoken about in the Bible, and particularly in the three passages that I cited earlier, they include many different gifts. And frankly, there is a list of gifts that can be a mile long depending on what portion of Scripture you're reading. Here's the body, the central body of spiritual gifts. These are the gifts that, that the church generally agrees are available to the church. And they are the following, the spiritual gifts of wisdom, knowledge, service, helps, intercession or prayer, pastor, teaching, prophecy, exhortation, discerning of spirits, the spiritual gifts of giving, mercy, missionary, evangelist, hospitality, faith, leadership, administration, miracles, healing, tongues, the interpretation of tongues. Each gift is different from the others, and yet the same Holy Spirit gives those gifts. Does every Christian have every gift? Absolutely not. Next week, I'll be preaching on the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Every item listed in those verses is resident in every Christian. We own it all, from love to self-control. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, not every Christian has every gift. The Holy Spirit determines who gets what. Look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. After listing nine of the gifts in verses 8 through 10, the Apostle Paul writes this. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Listen, what gift I get, what gift you get, is a sovereign work of God. He decides that. I don't decide that. I can desire a gift. I can talk to him about a gift, but the gifts that you get, Bill, the gifts that I get, Libby, the gifts that you get, Elaine, the gifts that you get, the gifts that you get, Quinn, they are gifts that are given by the sovereign hand, the sovereign will of God. Now, after gifting each of us, 
God then puts all of us and our gifts together into the church. And I love how this is expressed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 18 through 20. This is what Paul writes. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. Not every part has the same function. There are different gifts and different functions, and we all have different gifts. We all have different functions. Guess what? Put us all together, and what have you got? You've got a high-functioning church when everybody's using their gifts the way God designed them. But here's something that has to be said. Very critical. Even though we have different gifts, we are equal in importance, and we need each other. There is not one person in the body of Christ that is more important than another person. We are all equal together in the body of Christ. We need each other. I used Tim at the last service. Tim's sitting here. I'm going to use him again at this service. Tim Fry is one of our crew who's out in the parking lot. You see him on Sunday mornings. They're out there to make sure that, especially in this service, you find a place to park and they get you in safely and they get the eight o'clockers out. Tim Fry is using a gift of service and helps that God has given him that is equal to any gift that is being used here on this stage in leading worship or preaching the word. We are all equal. Where would we be without all of these gifts put together? We are equal in importance. We need each other. Thanks be to God for the giftings that we have. Bill Williver, you're out in that parking lot in the same way. If you're out at the door and you're greeting, if you're ushering, if you're changing diapers in the nursery, thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that. That is not a gift that God gave me. Wasn't even a gift when the girls were growing up, but had to exercise it anyway. Listen, we are equal in our importance to each other and we need each other. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes we fall into sin. And one of the sins is arrogance, and the other sin is apathy. Paul addresses arrogance. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21. He compares the church to our bodies, and Paul writes this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now, think about that. Think about your head saying to your feet, I don't need you. My goodness, you'd fall right over and hit your head because there's nothing to hold you up. Why would you ever do that? And what Paul is saying is there is no place for arrogance in the church. (laughs) You got me, you don't need anybody else. This place will run just because of my gifts. Or the more subtle, look what I've done. And internally, even though you don't say it in polite company, you actually begin to believe that you are more important than someone else. There is no place for arrogance in the church. But here's another problem, the sin of apathy. Look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 15 through 17. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, 
where would the sense of smell be? Apathy is when someone says, well, I can't lead worship and I can't preach and I can't teach children in Sunday school so I have nothing to offer. Woe is me, I have nothing to give. That is absolutely not true. Do not measure yourself by other people. Measure yourself by the giftings that God has given uniquely to you and use those gifts powerfully in his kingdom. Uh, right now, in Baltimore, Maryland, there's a woman named Suzanne Thomas who's live streaming with us. And I'm gonna get some emails after this service because she doesn't know I'm talking about her, but she will now. When we moved to Baltimore in 1986, she was among those that were part of our original core group when we planted that church in Baltimore. And she was a sweet and delightful and continues to be a sweet and delightful woman of God who I remember when we first moved there said, never ask me to come up front, never ask me to say anything. I don't like to talk in front of crowds. I really don't do anything. I don't, the only thing I can do is be in nursery. Oh my goodness. What a gift Suzanne Thomas was. As our church began to grow, Suzanne Thomas established the nursery ministry of our church. She welcomed the nursery children in. She welcomed their parents. She had the conviction that it was important that even though they might only be six months old or eight months old or just beginning to be a toddler, that they needed to hear the words beginning with Jesus, the words that are precious to our faith so that they could begin to build a vocabulary and get to know Jesus. Suzanne Thomas's ministry at Rosedale Community Church was equal to the ministry that was taking place in the sanctuary that morning as worship was taking place. She was a blessing to us when we served there. She continues to be a blessing to us, and we are grateful for the giftings that God has given to every person. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says this, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. I want you to consider this morning. Consider how in the world weekend worship would ever happen if it were not for the gifts of the body of Christ being used, all of us using our gifts, our functions from the Holy Spirit to make this happen as we worship here as our children worship and study in the education wing, as our sixth and seventh graders are studying biblical worldview in the youth room as well. Think about all those gifts. The very first truth is there are different gifts, but the same Holy Spirit. Here's the second truth this morning. The Spirit gives us gifts to serve others. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse five. There are different kinds of service but the same Lord. Now friends, here's the attitude that God wants us to have when we are using our gifts. The gifts that God gives me, the gifts that God gives you are not about you and not about what you can benefit from. They are about serving others. And the attitude that God wants us to have as we use our gifts is a servant attitude. He wants us to keep our eyes fixed on others and not ourselves. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. The word of God says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? The common good. Not for you, not for your good, but for the common good. That means the community of believers of which you're a part. That means here Grace Community Church. 
given for the common good. That means the communities around you, where you live, and the people you know, your friends and your family, wherever you work, the gifts that God has given you are, are given to you to bless those people and around the world as well. Just as we receive these gifts by the sovereign hand of God, in the same way we need to use these gifts according to the sovereign plan of God. See, God has given me gifts and he's given you gifts and it's his sovereign will by which we receive those gifts. But do you ever ask him, how do you want me to use the gifts? Because he has a plan for you. I wish you could have met my mother-in-law. Oh, I wish you could have met her. She died far too young. She was 65 and we just had our first daughter and, and she passed away very suddenly of a stroke. She was born in Germany. She was carried here as... as um, as the situation in Germany is worsening into the early 1930s, she was carried here by her mother and came with her brother. Her name was Margot, and uh, when I really wanted to get her attention, I'd give her a full name, Margot Alma Frieda von Buschkegel Friday. And then she would turn around and say, Michael Wade Sigmund. And then we had a great relationship, a great relationship. But there was this funny thing that my mother-in-law used to do. She loved to give gifts. And so as you're opening the gift on Christmas Day, and you get all the wrapping paper off, and just as you open the box lid, she would then begin to tell you how to use that gift. She would give you a whole litany of why she bought it, how she envisions you to use it, wear it here, don't wear it there. I mean, it was incredible. And if she didn't do that verbally, there was a note inside with enumeration on how to use the gift that she had just given you. She was just, I mean, I loved it. Everybody else would get irritated, but I loved it. You know, that's what God wants us to do, though. He has a plan for how your gift is to be used. He wants you to ask him about using that gift. You know, I did that years ago. Some of you know this. I was coming home from Cammy one night. This was years ago. Driving up Rollinsville Road, staying at my dad's house because I don't stay overnight down there. I stay in a house with air conditioning. And I, I was driving up to dad's house, and I said, Lord, you've given me a gift of pastor and teaching. I would like to use it here in Lancaster County someday. And I would really like to use it right here where I'm from. Now, I know that's your sovereign plan. But if you would ever desire that that would happen, I'm willing to follow you there. And I can't believe it that day that I sat down, Will, in your office and said, well, well, I'm leaving the seminary. And you said, well, you don't know this, but I'm retiring from Grace Community Church. I said, really? And he said, they asked whether you could be the pastor. And I said, no, Mike's at the seminary. And I said, go back and tell them yes. And that was God's will. That's his sovereign will. Years ago, 1981, second weekend of September, we had a guest speaker at First EC Church, Palmyra. His name was Pastor Dave Grulick. He and his wife, Pauline, are in their 90s. They live stream with us every Sunday at 8 o'clock now. And he preached a sermon that Sunday in 1981, 42 years ago, that I remember to this day. He said, you have a choice in your life. You can either decide to be a servant or you can decide that you're going to choose who you will serve. He said, God wants you to decide to be a servant and simply 
make yourself available to him to serve at his sovereign will and direction. Rather than taking matters into your own hands and saying, well, I like that person, I'll serve them. Well, they irritate me, I'm not going to serve them. I'm a little busy now, I'm not going to do that. Maybe later I will. I have never forgotten that truth. God has sovereignly gifted every one of you. And he wants you to be a servant with those gifts. Not as you want to, but simply fully surrendered to him. That leads to the third and final truth. The spirit empowers our gifts. Now some of you won't remember this, but I do. What a wonderful day it was when the Hess Corporation started including batteries with their trucks. What in the world is he talking about? Well, years ago, when you'd buy the Hess truck, you'd have to buy the batteries somewhere else. But now, the trucks come with the batteries included. And that's how God gives his gifts. They come with the batteries, the power included. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6. Strange verse. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. What in the world? Well, the word for working is the Greek word energimata, and it means energy or power. There are different kinds of power at work in the church, but God empowers all of his gifts in all men and women. The gifts come with power. What do I mean by that? Write this down. If you are willing to be obedient and use the gifts that God has given you to serve others, he will give you a front row seat to lives being changed by Jesus Christ. And it will be an amazing journey. If you hold back, if you behave this way with your gifts, if you refuse to unwrap your gifts, or you put your gifts on a shelf, you are going to miss blessing after blessing. But when you choose to use your gifts, God will bless you. Because when that happens, he will empower your gifts and you will watch burdens be lifted, people be comforted, healing will happen, needs will be met, prayers will be answered, God's word will be understood, God's will be become clear, lives will be changed, and your life will be one of those lives that will be changed. I believe with all my heart that one of the primary ways we grow deeply in Jesus Christ is we get busy and use the gifts that God has given us, and when we do that, Oh my goodness, the life change that happens in others and also in us. Now, there is so much more that can be taught from Scripture about the nature and the variety of spiritual gifts. That said, I want to leave you with something very practical. I want to ask you a question today. What are your spiritual gifts? Do you know what they are? What are your spiritual gifts? You know, it's interesting, coming up here in December, we have long offered to our congregation about twice a year a class called Finding My Place. You know what that class is? That class is going to take everything that I taught today, go deeper in greater detail, 
teach you about spiritual gifts and help you literally find out what your gifts are and find out where they can be used in the church. Right there it is, December 3 and 10, right after the 11 o'clock service to help you with your gifts. Now, you don't have to wait till then. Let me ask you a couple questions. First of all, as you've listened this morning, as you read and study what the scripture teaches about spiritual gifts, do any of them resonate with you? Like the gift of hospitality. I'll never forget Michelle Wingert saying to me one day, I have nothing to offer the church, nothing to give. I said, oh, that's not true. No, I don't. I said, that, that's just not true. She said, well, what are my gifts? I read the gifts. She said, hospitality. I love hospitality. I love making sure that people are having a good time. I said, man, you know, we need somebody to lead our funeral meals. Would you be willing to do that and, and bless these families? She said, I would love to do it. For years, she did that. And God used that gift of hospitality and changed lives because of it. Second question. What do you enjoy doing? What do you enjoy doing? What is it that, that just floats your boat, that just gets you excited in life? I believe that God may be pointing in the direction of a gift that he's given you. What is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? Novel idea. Ask God what your gifts are. He'll tell you. What ministry in your life is God currently blessing? That might be an indication. And that's the last question. What gifts do others see operating in you? Ask a friend. Some of you know that when I was nine years old, I was walking out of Sunday school one Sunday, Bethel Church in Conestoga. Betty Lefevre was my Sunday school teacher, and just out of the blue, she looked at me and she said, I'm going to pray that God calls you to be a pastor. I believe he wants you to be a pastor. I was nine years old. For nine years, Betty Lefevre prayed for me. In September of 1980, I yielded my life to ministry. I told my mom and dad, I told my grandma and my grandpa, and the fifth person I told, I drove down to Stonehill Road, Conestoga, walked in the summer kitchen door of her house. She said, what are you doing here? I said, I have something to tell you. She said, I already know. You're going in the ministry. I said, did grandma call you? She said, no, the Lord told me. I wanted to be in touch with the Lord like Betty Lefevre. Ask a friend. It's amazing how people around you see something in you that you may not see in yourself, and they may even be praying for you. Let me ask you one more question today. When you know your gifts, what should you do with them? Now, the answer to this question has two words. The first word is use, and the second word is them. So let's see if you know what the answer to this question is. What should you do with them? Boy, you're, you're good. Not as good as 8 o'clock. They shout it. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. This may seem obvious, but there are a whole lot of Christians today who have decided to become inactive with their gifts. And some have actually bought the lie of the American culture that when you retire, you also retire from your Christian service. There is no retirement in the kingdom of God from serving with your gifts. We must remain active to the very end of our days. Now hear me when I say this. As you grow older, 
And as your life situation changes and your body can no longer do some of the things that you used to do, God will give you gifts that fit that stage of your life and you will be able to use them with a front row seat and watch change lives. One of the most encouraging visits I ever made in a hospital was when I was in chaplaincy training at Lancaster General Hospital in 1984. I walked into a room. The woman's name was Esther. She was from Strasburg Township. She was crippled with arthritis, could no longer walk, barely able to use her hands and her arms very well, was radiant, joyful, smiling, I said, how can I pray for you? She said, well, how can I pray for you? I said, well, I guess I need to know, given all that you're facing, what brings such joy to you? She said, well, Jesus, of course, you should know that. You're a chaplain. I said, yes, I do know that. I do know that. But then she said this. She said, as my body started not working, God changed my gifts. And I used to love teaching Sunday school, and I used to love getting down on the ground with toddlers, and, and she said, I can't do that anymore. So God changed my gifts, and now he's given me a gift of intercession. She said, it used to be hard for me to sit still for 10 minutes and pray. Now she said, I lay in this bed, and I pray for three solid, four solid hours, and I find such joy and such satisfaction in the gift of intercession. Never forgot Esther. Never forgot the joyful spirit that believed that God would change her gifts to match her station in life. Do not retire. Do not become inactive. Use your gifts joyfully. Why is that important? Because if enough Christians become inactive and retire, the church becomes weaker and weaker. And soon, it will close its doors. We drove through town after town in Maine on this vacation. In one town, I counted 10 churches. Eight of them are currently closed. One of them was a tarot card reading location. Two of them are open. Friends, that is heartbreaking. But listen, when you stop using your gifts when you become inactive in the kingdom of God, that's what happens. I want to show you a picture today. This is a picture of uh, Pastor Jarrett and his daughter, Megan. Megan is five years old. And this picture was taken the night when Pastor Jarrett was ordained. Her one wish was that she could get to stand on the big stage with her daddy and so we took a picture of it. Two weeks ago, Megan talked to her mom and dad about her desire to accept Jesus as Savior and Lord of her life. And her mom and dad, Pastor Jared and Kim, led their daughter, Megan, to a saving knowledge of Jesus. This week, Megan was in the car with Jared, and they were waiting, I think, for the boys at a sporting event. And all of a sudden, in the car, Jared heard this question. Hey, Dad, now that I'm saved, what's next? (laughs) 
Have you ever asked your father in heaven that question? Hey, father, now that I'm saved, what's next? And the answer is, use the gifts I'm giving you to serve others, and you will grow beyond your wildest imagination. Can I tell you what Megan does every Sunday? She's attached at the hip with Charlene Dunn, our facilities leader for Sunday mornings. And when you get up and leave this sanctuary, it will be Megan who will come through and pick up any bulletins that you leave and make sure this sanctuary is in good shape and ready for the 11 o'clock service. Five years old and using her gifts to serve Jesus. What about you? Let's pray together. Gracious Father, thank you for this work of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for very clearly teaching us in 1 Corinthians 12 the responsibility that you have placed on every one of us to use the gifts that you've given us to serve others in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, my prayer today is that if there be any here, any Christians here who have become inactive in using their gifts, who have retired from using their gifts, that this word, your word, would be convicting. And that every Christian here would take seriously this teaching that you have given gifts not to remain wrapped in a closet, but to be unwrapped and immediately put to use in serving others so that your church is strong, your witness is bright, and so the people come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord. I pray that every one of us, every one of us here, will become active in using our gifts to serve you. And it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's worship the Lord together as we close.